0: Once again, we're back here at Jambox Entertainment Studios, and I'm here with my main man, Lee Evans. Man, he's smoother than smooth. Not only that, he's like the cool side of the pillow. You know what I mean? What's going on, Lee? Good morning. Hey, Danny. How you doing? I am doing fine like a bottle of wine, baby. All right. I just love your voice, man. You just put me in a good mood immediately as soon as I hear it. Yeah. Well, I'm doing good like the rest of the hood. <laughs> You know, today's a special day. You know, I just wanted to recap for a second. Um, You know, season one was a really good, important season. And I think that, you know, it served its purpose. Uh, But ever since we started recording season two, for me, it's completely been hitting differently. Um, I feel uh, this deep sense of purpose behind what's happening here in season two. And I think the conversations that we've been having here have also um, just been having such not only an impact on me, but I also believe on the listeners. And I think one of the biggest points of like what's been going on this season, why I think there's just such an incredible vibe, is that it's not so much about the successes that people here that we're speaking to have done with their lives, but more so, I really want you to understand their personalities. I want you to understand their mentality. And I want you to understand the type of people that come in here—that's really what I want you to listen to. I want you to listen to the type of person, you know. I want you to understand, you know, the way they see things and, you know, where their heart lays. Because everyone's definition of success is completely different. So, uh, you know, today I have a really special person I want to introduce you to. Um, she happens to be my best friend's wife, and she's also someone who is incredibly gifted and smart. And intelligent and when you think of I want you to imagine in your mind right now like natural beauty like if there's someone that you've ever thought of or there's someone that you imagine in your mind as being naturally beautiful this is that person but she brings so much more to the table because she really does uh, have a good heart and I think for me one of the things that I admire most about you I think your most admirable trait uh, and there are several, is your ability to be non-judgmental? I've never heard a judgmental word come out of your mouth. And I think the other thing I find most admirable about you is your loyalty uh, to people that you love. So I want to welcome Sage Dyer. She is the published co-author of a book called The Knowing. You also wrote a children's book yes. called...
1: Goodbye, bumps.
0: Goodbye, bumps. And that's a great story in itself, and that's a funny story within your family, too. Uh, But good morning. How are you? Good
1: morning. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for that awesome introduction. I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. No complaints. I'm just happy to see you. And I was thinking the other day, one of the most fun outings I've had out in the last several months was when we celebrated your birthday.
1: It was a good time.
0: It was a good time, wasn't it?
1: It was one of the most fun outings I've had, too, you know?
0: I'm not gonna lie. I got a little fucked up and I had good food and I enjoyed myself. Do you know what I really realized that night and I thought it was just a beautiful thing? How long are you and Anthony together now?
1: Uh, It's going on eight years.
0: Okay, so I spoke to Anthony about this like a few days after your birthday. And I remember coming to the birthday party and sitting down for dinner. And I was sitting across from you and I couldn't help but to notice how much you were glowing. And I couldn't help to notice how happy you looked, how peaceful you looked. Um, Mm -hmm. And you were really just present in the moment. I think you just seemed really happy to just have all this love around you. And what I was intrigued by and what I noticed was I've known your husband over 20 years. And I've also known him uh, to be a different person before than he is today. And I think that You've played such a huge, like, influence over him and the way he is, the way he behaves, the way he carries himself now in, like, such a positive, beautiful, loving way that when I saw him that night and I saw the way he was looking at you and I saw the way that he was caring for you and, uh, you know, planned a special night for you and, you know, was kind enough to get dinner for everyone, I just really like genuinely I saw a gentleman in front of me like I saw a mature gentleman and like seeing the way he is um, with your boys um, the father that he's become and I've told him on multiple occasions I've told him what I'm telling you right now Um, I just think he's just such a great dad and I just think that he's so involved and I I told him I said listen like when my girls were growing up I wasn't half as um, active and as involved as you and I said, I just want you to know that I love you, and, and, I, and I really think you've grown into, like, such a gentleman. And uh, I'm lucky to have you as a friend. And uh, I'm really proud of you um, for treating your wife and your family the way you do. And yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with who you are as a person. I mean, like, what are your thoughts on Anthony and or maybe on yourself, like, in terms of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've both grown up a lot since we met each other. But he, he really has uh, stepped into being... Such an awesome dad. I'm I'm hard on him, like <laughs> as you know, I'm like a no nonsense type of person, and I sometimes I'm probably a little too uh, I come on very strong on Anthony. You know, sometimes I feel badly about that, but I I agree with you. He has um, he he's two steps ahead of me now. You know, like he's he's become such an awesome dad. He's hands on. I don't have to ask him and tell him. He just, we kind of have become this team that, that works together, but it wasn't always that way. And um, we've both grown a lot in these eight years. I mean, having kids, especially through COVID, we got to spend a lot of time together as a family and I feel like it made us more of a unit. And um, yeah, I think, it, I, I agree. I think he's he's really blossomed as a yeah. father, a husband and yeah.
0: But I also think, like, on another note, like, you have this effect on people. I think that when people are in your presence, no, really, I think when people are in your presence, you bring the best out of them, and they want to show you the best out of them. And I think that's just a gift. I think that's a talent. I think that's a blessing that, you know, you have that you give to others. That's
1: that's a big compliment because I think the energy that somebody brings to the room or to a relationship or, you know, even if it's just a quick encounter – Um, with somebody like just uh, parking downstairs with the parking attendant, you know, that can either be a stressful, uh, (laughs) rude encounter, or it can be something where you just make somebody smile for a minute. And I really try to be somebody who can bring a good energy whenever possible to every encounter, whether it be with somebody, you know, in the parking lot for five minutes, or with my children all day long, or with my husband, you know, it's like, energy you bring sets the mood so
0: it does and you know you carry yourself as a mother with so much grace I know it's a lot of work Um, I've seen my wife day in and day out she really you know and and I said this the other day I attribute my kids happiness to my wife she's really just an amazing mother and you carry yourself with such a calmness and such grace Uh, You you know, things like packing up the kids and getting into the car to do an easy task can become Mm -hmm. a very hard thing for a lot of women. Yeah, And uh, I think that you have this way of making it look easy. I don't think that it's easy, (laughs) but I think you have this way, this essence about you that makes it look easy and this calmness around you that makes everyone else around you feel what you feel.
1: I try, you know, I'm not always calm, but, but it makes a big difference. I mean, my mom always said that the uh, the mother sets the tone. Mm-hmm. So if you are panicked and you're, tr- you know, it's like, we got to be out of the door at four o'clock and it's 4.02 and I'm going to freak out and make sure we get out of here as soon as possible, I think you're just going to set the tone uh, of a rush and things are going to start going wrong. Whereas if you just swallow that and say, it's not a big deal if we're five minutes late, or 10 minutes late, or whatever it is, and you go with the flow, your children respond to that. And not just children. Adults respond to it, too. I mean, you, you bring an energy to your interactions, and that will set the tone for how that's going to go.
0: Do you think that you were born with this energy, or do you think that this was something that was learned, like, through how you grew up, like, through your parents? Like, what do you attribute to who you are as a person versus also, you know, what your parents, you know, instilled in you?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I feel like it's probably both, like all of us, you know, it's a little bit of how we're born and it's a little bit of how we grow up and the, the interactions we have. I mean, um, my mom is usually very calm as well, so I had that sort of modeled behavior for me um, throughout my life. My dad was always a lot of fun, also calm, not somebody who lost his patience, but more high energy type of fun. And... um I love to emulate that at times as well so I think that uh, yeah and I grew up with parents who were very accepting of who their children were they didn't place um, any expectations on us to be anyone we didn't need to go to college if we didn't want to we didn't need to date a certain type of person or get married by a certain age or anything they didn't care what kind of job that we aspired to have as long as we were just being good people, loving people, you know, um, they supported us. They were happy for us. And there's a freedom in that, that you give to your children when you just say, you know, I expect nothing of you. You're not, you know, you're my children, but you're not my, my, my whole being, my whole purpose doesn't rely on who you become and who you marry and all that stuff. And, um, they basically said to their kid. My parents raised us in a way that was: we love you for who you are, and you are free to be whoever you want, as long as you're being a good person. You're coming from love. Uh, we support you. And I think when you can do that for your kids, you um, you really give them a, a a freedom to get in touch with who they are, their their own inner knowing. You know, because mm. uh, we are all born with an inner knowing, an inner compass for what we want to do. But if you're being clouded by other people's opinions of what you need to do you, it might sway It might take you a lot longer to get on that track and figure out what you want
0: definitely and I you know just I recall just based on what you just said first of all the way uh, your family operated uh, was so unique and so beautiful and I love the way you described it in the first part of your book in the knowing and you know even as little as you know for example uh, what you were saying Uh, I think it was, you were up until about 10, 11 years old, you loved wearing basketball shorts and big T-shirts and no one ever said anything to you because that's just what you wanted to do. Right. So I dig that and I think that's really cool and I think it's cool that you run your family like that. And, you know, speaking of your mom, I've met her a few times and I have this feeling that if I had the opportunity to be alone with her for like 20 minutes and sit in just stillness with her and not say a word that I would walk away feeling like I had the best conversation of my life. (laughs) Like that's what I think of your mom. I don't know if that sounds crazy, but that's what my intuition tells me.
1: No, my mom's cool. She's got a good vibe. I know what you mean. My mom's been an avid meditator her whole life. So, um, you know, and they've, studies have shown that meditation actually alters your, your brain chemistry, uh, the different parts of your brain that light up. And, um, she, It definitely has created a woman who is just calm. I mean, you want to talk about calm, that's my mom. And and in tune and uh, operating from that sort of place. So I agree. I think you could sit with her and get something out of it. Not to mention seven natural births. Yeah, seven. I'm her youngest. Uh, my, My parents together had eight kids, but my mom had seven. I gave birth naturally to all seven, no drugs, no, no painkiller. I mean, I couldn't do it. (laughs) I tried. I couldn't do it. So I give her a lot of credit. Yeah.
0: Um, You know, let's pivot into the knowing. Um, I was telling you earlier, you know, there was a point where I had gotten off of social media for just about a year for various reasons. I'll get into one later because you're my friend and I'd love to get your opinion on something later. I want to read you something later. Um, But, what bought along the knowing what was it what was the purpose of it for you i get a clear understanding of it i spoke to you earlier i wasn't on social media i found out you wrote this book i was a little late finding out <laughs> but as soon as i found out i got on amazon i got the book a day later and i was done with it a day later i just couldn't put it down and um I think what I love most about it, and I remember that I sent you a text which was more like a novel after I read the book because I was just so excited and I don't know, I just felt so lucky that I had a friend that can write something like that and and, um, inspire me on a deeper level. Um, But when I was reading this book, I thought that you and your sister Serena, I think you guys did a really, really uh, fine job of um, detailing. Um, with examples of how the knowing was actually real in your life and you made it irrefutable that it's just not possible not to believe that there is this source, this energy, this knowing that's within all of us, a piece of God within all of us that exists if we allow it to and I just thought you did such an eloquent job of, um, of sharing that so people can understand it read it, feel it, know it believe it and move on with it so why did this book come up for you why did you write it why was it in collaboration with Serena you know what yeah. did, what's the purpose of it what did you want people to feel from it
1: yes yeah, so um my dad was a was a writer and a, a speaker in the self-help world and um he passed away when I was 25 in 2015 uh, very suddenly he wasn't sick uh, I had just been with him two days before Traveling throughout Australia and New Zealand on a book tour with him. I mean he was on a book tour. I was just with him <laughs> and uh, He was full of life and uh, Funny and just himself and uh, we had such a great time and then two days after I got back from Australia He passed away. He had a heart attack um, by himself and um, It was it was a shock uh, of course and it, it was so many things, but I had been raised on his teachings of um, death does not exist, it's just a a shedding of the physical, it's a change in energy, all of these ideas uh, that are so profound. And and I had had just been with him in Australia, listening to him give like two-day lectures on topics all about death. Um, He always talked about, especially towards the end of his life, he talked about how he was excited for the next phase, what was to come. But I hadn't contemplated his death, you know, until it actually happened. And so for the first time, even though I was raised around all these ideas of death not being real and how he, you know, my parents used to say, oh, we'll give you guys all kinds of signs and we're not here. But it, it until they actually die, you know, you're not really faced with um, what your beliefs are around that, around this idea of death. So. When he, had, when he died, um, I found myself sort of at a crossroads of am I going to be able to uh, apply all of these ideas that I was raised around that my dad studied fervently through his whole life and taught about, um, made, wrote books about it, basically made a career out of it. Uh, was I going to be able to digest that and come from that place about his passing or was I going to just be in this fear-based place of he's dead, he's gone, I'm never going to talk to him again, I'm never going to see him again, and this is a tragedy. Um, It
0: seemed like that was your first initial reaction.
1: It kind of was. I mean, you know, we're not, when somebody dies or just when you go throughout your day, you're not stuck in one mindset all day. But I certainly was in that mindset at times where I was like, it's over, I can't hear him, I can't see him, I can't talk to him, and uh, he's gone. And I also felt a little bit angry that, like, I'm only 25 years old. Why would you die now? I still need you. I'm not married. I'm not settled. I don't have a job. Like, I, you know, I was still in school. And I felt a little bit um, selfishly angry about those kinds of things. So I was stuck in a a sort of lower energy place with it a lot of the time. Um, Again, just coming from fear-based thinking patterns, which... I don't have any judgment about any of that. I think that when somebody dies, it is hard and it is tragic, and you are going to have those kinds of thoughts. And I think that's all important, and it's all a part of the process. So there's no judgment around that place that I was in. But it didn't feel good for me to be there. So um, I felt like I needed to – at at a certain point, I just – I kept having these thoughts of, uh, you know – how sad I was and I would get stuck in the grief and all of that and then I would just think just call dad it was like an automatic reaction and then I would have to remember that I would never do that again and then you know the tears start flowing and the heartbreak sets back in and I was sort of stuck in this cycle so I, I remember one time I was in the shower and I was thinking that same along those same uh, lines I was on this wheel that just kept turning and I said, finally, I said, okay, Sage, this is enough. Like, you're you're never going to talk to dad again. You can keep torturing yourself with these thoughts, but it's not getting you anywhere um, for as far as growth or compassion, you That's know. It's
0: such a mature thing to be able to say to yourself.
1: But, you know, you, you don't know how you're going to react till you're there. It, it could be you too. It's just you don't want to feel that way anymore. It's like I wanted to celebrate my dad's life and – Uh, Feel connected to him like he talked about that. I would you know But I didn't feel that way when I was coming from it at from this lower energy place of fear And so I I said, you know, you're never gonna call him again, but you have a lifetime of knowing your dad Intimately in ways that you know because my dad was famous and he had fans But nobody could know him as intimately as his family, you know, and I was like I said to myself what would he say to you now if uh, if you could talk to him? And I felt like I sort of tuned into him for a moment. I, and I remembered a, a story that he had told um, that I had just heard him telling in, in these lectures that I was at with him in Australia. And uh, it was a story of a man whose um, son went to war. And the man got a knock on his door one morning that his son had died in war and uh, that night the father went out to a party and he was dancing and this was a small town so all the neighbors knew what had what had just happened that he had just learned that his son had just died and so one of the neighbors went up to him and she said I just don't understand uh, how you could be out here at a party dancing when you just learned that your son died just this morning and he responded and said sooner or later I'm going to have to move on from this or it's going to kill me and I'm just choosing sooner and I remembered that story and it was very poignant for me because I thought yes I can choose sooner I can I can choose to feel joy now and it doesn't mean that I won't continue to grieve it doesn't mean that like snap my fingers and I'm just over it it was just it was permission to still live my life um, I had been at a place where you know I was in graduate school. He died on August 30th. The semester started like September 2nd. And my I had spoken to like the dean of my program and he was encouraging me to take the semester off
0: and And not to cut you off. What an amazing story about August 30th.
1: Yeah, that I can tell that also we'll later. Go yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> but he was encouraging me to take the semester off and a lot of people were saying that how they were how are you going to focus and um you know, you need time, and you need time. And I was kind of like, I think it would be a great distraction for me. And I think that my dad, you know, if I felt ready to do it, I think my dad would want me to go to school. But I was sort of uh, buying into the things that people were telling me. And, and when I remembered that Choose Sooner story, I thought, you know what, I'm going to do what I want, because I don't want to sit around for four months and be sad with nothing to do. I want to. Uh, I was studying psychology. It would probably make me feel more connected to my dad because that's how he started out his career was um, as a counselor in psychology. So so I and and anyway, from there, I, I started writing at times and um, because once I shifted my mindset and I was just open to the idea that maybe this doesn't have to be the end of my relationship with my dad, maybe it's just shifting to take on a different meaning, a different look Um A way where I have to have more faith and tap into who I am and what my beliefs are.
0: Right. You talked a lot about you know the five senses, you know, and uh, not really you know most people don't tap into that sixth sense. Yeah. So I find that really interesting.
1: Yeah. My, uh, you know, it's like we perceive our whole our whole experience in this body is perceived through our five senses. You know, our seeing, smell, touch, taste. Forgetting one, but anyway, hearing. <laughs> hearing there you go, <laughs> and uh, and everything we know about the world around us, we know through these five senses, and um, we we believe everything we we come in, everything we sense, we really believe that that's the truth. But if you think about it, I mean, like there are FM and AM radio waves coursing through this room right now, but I'm not a a radio with an antenna, so I can't perceive them. But that doesn't mean that they're not there, um, and and it you know my, my body tells me right now that I'm sitting still on this couch in this studio with you, but in reality, we're sitting on a rock that's hurling through space and rotating on different axes, and you've never sat still in your life because it doesn't exist. Um, there's just so much that we can't perceive about the world around us, and that's just two examples, and in in it's infinitely around us. There are things that we cannot perceive. We're just not capable of it. So I started to realize, you know, I can't see my dad anymore. I can't feel him. I can't call him on the phone. But I'm so limited by this body suit that I'm in um, that maybe he is still with me. And he's just energy now. I mean, after all, that's what we start as energy. We leave as energy. You know, we come from nothing and we return to nothing. But it's because it's energy. It's not not in the physical. Um, You know, energy is basically just particles that are moving so fast and when they when something goes from energy to physical it's like the particles have just slowed way down but they didn't appear from they didn't just appear they just slowed down and came into the physical you know they right. were already there
0: that's what i'm saying so you were writing more
1: yeah so because i had this shift in my mindset and i started to be open to these different sort of ideas that things my dad taught about. Um, I started to experience a lot of miracles, um, both as like signs from my dad and also just in perspective changes. You know, one of my dad's most famous lines was, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And I, I felt that everything around me was changing and that um, I, the experience of his, of my grief around my father's death was becoming something beautiful. Um, and exciting at times. And of course, I still miss him. And I still do now. And I would do anything to get him back. But uh, it doesn't change that there were also miracles and exciting things taking place. So I started to write them down. And uh, my sister Serena, it turns out, was also writing at the same time, and I didn't know it. And then we both talked about writing our own books. And we were sort of sharing notes one day. And we realized we should just do this together i mean so much of what we were writing overlapped and fit together well mm-hmm. um so we started to just yeah combine our writing and create a, a third voice like a third party voice to sort of tell both of our stories together and it just went from there
0: and what did you want people to receive out of it
1: I, you know, for me, at first, it was like my song for my dad, you know, uh, for this awesome life that he lived and um, led me by in my life, by example, and all of that. But then it turned into uh, something that I I wanted people to feel inspired by it and to be able to, you know, because sometimes we go, we set out to write a book, and you just want to write about yourself. But it turns out people don't really want to hear about you. They want something that's going to give them something. You know, you want to read a book that you walk away from it inspired, excited about your own life because, you know, we don't really care about what somebody that we don't know is up to on a day in and day out. So um, as we started to shift our writing to that, like, OK, this was my experience, but this is what you can take away from it. Um it, it took on a whole new shape and meaning and different kind of excitement like you know we're teaching we're becoming teachers and stepping into that role and um, so yeah I want people to read it and and everyone experiences death at some point or another because death is just part of life you know we're all we all come here it's a round trip ticket you know we come here and we leave so whether right. it's your own death that you're contemplating or that of your loved ones it's a hard concept to uh wrap your mind around and
0: yeah I've always tried I lost a very good friend of mine um on 9-11 and right. I always tried from that experience to walk away in any kind of uh confrontation or problem that's occurring uh with love you know because you really just don't know if that's the last time you're going to be speaking to anyone so mm-hmm. listen I'm human um I make mistakes and I don't always. Uh, do what I wish I did or could have done. Um, But that was a lesson for me from 23 to just really love and appreciate and be grateful for, like, everything that you have around. I know that your dad had mentioned a few times that the gift that he had, he believed you had. And uh, he saw this uh, in your future, writing Mm -hmm. and, and speaking obviously the choice is ultimately up to yours and you right. can support whatever decision you made I also remember reading a part of the book where you know you felt like you were in a dream state but you weren't and this is after mm-hmm. your dad passed away and he came and he visits you and uh, you asked him uh, if you could touch him and he mm-hmm. said yeah. yeah and you went ahead and you felt his hairy arms and yeah, I just I thought think. that was like a beautiful moment Yeah. Um, I experienced something similar to that because when my friend died um, I don't even like to say that when he passed on to the next phase of his life actually I've spoken to a medium and I know legitimately I, I have spoken to him since yeah, he's passed I believe on it. And, uh, Yeah. she said to me he's very he gets upset with me when I say he died because he's always with me he says "Right." so um the first time he came to visit me, Lee, he uh, I started crying in the dream, uncontrollably, you know because I was mm-hmm. so sad. and he left and then I had a second dream. I was still grieving. I cried uncontrollably and he left right. So I had a third dream and he came back and I was about to get upset. And I start seeing him leaving, and I said, Andrew, Andrew, don't leave. I promise I won't cry. Just right. don't leave. And so we ended up having the best conversation ever. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm getting emotional thinking yeah. about it now, you know, because um, it was a beautiful moment. He actually also went to – he knew He knew Vince also. Mm-hmm. And so he went into Vince's dream. I don't know if he remembers this, but I remember Vince um, telling me about this where he was saying that um, – That, you know, I'm gone now and you got to take care of my boy, you know? So I definitely believe that for sure.
1: And I think the him leaving when you're crying, it's like, I think what happens is what I was kind of saying before is like when we're in the physical, we're this slowed down, lower energy. And when you're in the spirit world, you're this fast moving energy. If you want to connect with your uh, people who are no longer with us in the physical, you have to raise your energy up to them, you know? And so when you come down and you're grieving not that grieving is bad but it is a low energy you know it's not a positive exciting uh uplifting energy it's a low energy so when you want to experience them you have to be able to step away from that grief and i think that that's all it was it was like you're in your dream state and your energy was probably elevated more towards his and he's able to connect with you then even in your dream you're you're going down to that place i mean
0: he's with me all the time now in my dreams all the time that's awesome um do you see yourself like doing this in the future like I've I feel like I've mentioned this to you a million times and I'm right. like annoying about it like we've had like multiple dinners where I'm like you have to write a book you have to get in front of people you have to start speaking like I know like I say that to you all the time it's only because like I feel very inspired by you yeah. and I think that I'm um, just sitting here with you right now and connecting with you you have this um this power this energy with you that you know you really just can't explain you really just it's it's its really just natural
1: okay. and
0: I think it's nice when you can sit down and talk to someone and it's not rehearsed like there's been plenty right. of times I've spoken in rooms and, and I'll never rehearse I, I don't believe in that right uh, because I've only connected with speakers on the platform that come in off the cuff right and I just dig that um, it feels real to me so what do you think do you think like this is something you see in your future that you would pursue aggressively
1: you know right now I'm just going with the flow um uh, I don't like to pursue things aggressively. I like to uh I like to set my intention and and visualize it and take the steps to make it happen but not push against what feels right, you know. And right now I also have two small children, yeah. a 2-year-old and a newborn or a 6-month-old now. And uh you know, I wrote about it in the book. It's like I think that um in life, we have this idea that we have to find our purpose. And there's this pressure, especially when you're maybe in your 20s or your 30s, like, I got to find my purpose. And if I don't find it, it's going to pass me by. And I'm going to have wasted my life because I didn't find my purpose. And um, when I became a mom, I I, I bought into that idea, too, that I was in my 20s and I needed to find my purpose. I'm guilty
0: of that. Yeah. And most people are that haven't found it. Yeah. And
1: I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But when I got pregnant uh, with Julian, my first child, I was really scared. I wrote about it in the book and I, um, part of it was because I, I was 29, almost 30. And I had this idea that um, I was now going to become a mother and I would never have a career. And um, I bought into that idea. It doesn't mean that it's true, you know, but I, so I spent my whole pregnancy sort of in this state of like, oh, the days are dwindling down of when I can have any sort of, purpose or career outside of being a mom and um serena and i had written a lot of this book already but we hadn't published it and we had sort of left it by the wayside at that point because i had this belief that i only had like eight months until i could never have a career again i actually like my life is over yeah i pushed it and pushed it and pushed it and we got a publisher and a literary agent and we got the book published during that time and finished almost all of it because I had this belief. So it served a purpose. The belief served a purpose. But after my son was born, um, I realized that that was just totally not true. That was just something that I had bought into that had really no truth at all. And that my purpose uh, was going to shift and take on so many different meanings in my life. And that after he was born, you know, a big part of my purpose was just being a mom, not just being a mom, because it's a lot, it's a lot more than just, it's probably more than having a regular 95, nine to five job, um, or, or a career. Uh, but that was going to be my purpose then. And that was okay. And that as time went on, I found the time to have more purpose in this career of having my book and doing podcasts and it just made me want to be somebody, uh, to live my life from a place where I found purpose in everything I was doing. So,
0: right, and you write about that, yeah. And I think that's beautiful, and I love the fact that you're not defining anything, right? Um, and and I think that's really beautiful. I really do. In fact, you know, there was a there was a passage in here um, that I really liked, that I wanted to read to you. Can I read it to sure. you? Sure. All right. Cool. It's like a page, but I'll try to go through it quickly. When she finally got to the point in her life that she was actually ready to receive signs and messages from her mom... No, no, no. Hold on a sec. Hold on. Not that (laughs) one. That's a good one, too. This is the one I wanted to read to you. Sorry, I was wondering why that was. Okay. Okay. Listen to this, you guys. When we choose the broader perspective of trusting that each and every one of us is in our own path, a path gently encourages us to return to love for no one else's benefit... But our own. That is where we open ourselves up to the idea of changing the way we look at a situation, and as a result, the situation itself changes. And isn't that what we're seeking all along with whatever difficulty comes our way? Aren't we all seeking a way to find that inner peace, no matter what storm is churning up the delicate aspects of our lives? Making the commitment to becoming a host to miracles instead of a hostage to circumstances is as small as making a daily commitment to not react, not judge, not condemn whatever difficulties come our way, or to notice things the universe sends us, like 11-11. Of course, we all want the transformation that our dad experienced when he was standing on his father's grave. but for some of us, the shifts happen through slow and sometimes painful growth. A satori moment, a miracle, a change in our perspective from what is to what could be, those are the constant daily daily, daily miracles that present themselves for all of us. But the true test is whether we can stay committed to receiving these. That is where all the challenge lies. So what can you actually do to stay committed to receiving? We encourage you to notice the moments when alignment occurs for you, whether it's as simple as seeing the clock at 11.11 or any other time that you set your intention to or something bigger, like receiving a phone call from a person you've been wanting to talk to but haven't uh, been sure how to reach out to. Whenever you notice a moment of alignment, big or small, say a quick prayer of gratitude, such as, Dear Universe, thank you for these moments of alignment that confirm I'm on the path to all my desires. Bringing your present moment awareness onto gratitude can be the catalyst that shifts you from desiring end of the continuum to allowing the ultimately receiving end of the continuum, because when you're aligned with gratitude in the present moment, you set your desires into motion, allowing them to transpire. hmm and I just feel like that said so much of everything that was in this book.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, um, yeah, there's so much I could say about that. But with the, how it ended there with the desiring versus allowing continuum, uh, that's something my dad, he studied the Tao, the Tao Te Ching, uh, was one of the later books that he wrote.
0: 81 Principles. Yeah.
1: 81 Principles. And, um, it was called Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. I and
0: read I read that. Yeah. It was a great book. <laughs> How annoying book. am I? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not
1: annoying. Um, when my dad was writing that book, uh, he he would read the Tao is just 81 verses. They're very short, they're a couple sentences each one, but you could unpack them for days, you know? And so he would read a, a, the verse that he was going to study that day and he would study it for like. Four days, and then on the fourth day, he would write what he wanted to write about it, like an essay about it. And I watched him doing that because I was out in um, in at his home with him in Maui when he was writing this book. So uh, I really wanted to read that book after he passed away. And a big part of the Tao is this. Uh, it explains it in the introduction of the book that, you know, in Western culture, in our culture, we believe uh, things are opposites. There's love and there's hate. There's yes and there's no you know on and on and on dark and light but um in more eastern philosophies and with the dao it's it's op- there is no such thing as opposites they're just ne- they're ends of a continuum but they're necessary components of each other and
0: like yin and yang
1: yeah like yin and yang you know you need both um there it's not one or the other it's both and i think that that's so true in our lives you know we want to categorize things as it's this or it's that, but it's not. It's both. It's like what I was saying about being a mom. It's it's being a mom and it's also pursuing the things I want and it's finding a balance. But there was this idea of, you know, desiring. I feel like when we want to manifest something into our lives or we want to chase our dreams, it's like, which is the way to do it? Do we chase them and go after them or do we allow them to come to us? Um, what I try to find is to strike a balance of both, you know, because it's it's a continuum. There's a on one end of the continuum is having the desire to, you know, whatever it is you want in your life, having that desire and placing it out there. On the other end of the continuum is allowing that desire to come to fruition and to materialize in front of you. If you stay only on the allowing side, you're going to do nothing. And that's not good. You know, But you have to do a little bit, you have to put your desires out there, you have but it's striking this balance, at least what I try to strike, is a balance of not pushing, not pushing against uh, something, not clinging. Because uh, when you cling to something, you're basically saying to the universe, I don't really have this. Right. Because
0: I feel like most people, not to interrupt, like, ma- are married to the outcome that they think yeah. it should be.
1: Right. You've got to let go of that because you're saying, like, if I don't hold on to this so tight uh, – it's going to be gone because I don't really have it. I also
0: want to go one step backwards just for a second because mm. earlier you mentioned, you know, you need to visualize these things. And from what I've read from you and also what I've read from your dad, countless books, is it's not just about visioning, but you also have to feel. Mm-hmm. You want to feel your way towards yeah. that. So can you, like, elaborate on that a little bit more? Because I'm not, I've am not i never been someone, and I know you talk about imagination and imagination being a big part of your life yeah. and growing up and something that you always had. Um, but can you elaborate like I'm not someone who can like vision things, but I am someone who can feel things deeply.
1: Yeah. Um, my dad always said you have to assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled. So if you are whatever it is you're wanting to bring into your life, is it more abundance, is it a different job, is it a a loving relationship, you know, you can't just say it or think about it or picture the way it looks. You also have to feel what that's going to feel like. What's it going to feel like when I am in this loving relationship that I seek? Or what's it going to feel like when I have more abundance in my life and more financial freedom and things like that? And then live from that feeling. And um, because it just goes to this idea that everything is energy. And if you're tapping into a loving energy, an abundant energy, you know, you have to feel what that feels like to actually tap into it. You can't just... Um, sometimes when you think about it, it's like you're almost moving it. You're removing it from yourself because you're saying, I'm not this. Yeah, uh, So you just want to become what it is that you're seeking is essentially.
0: You live your life by this way.
1: Oh, I'm not perfect, but I try. <laughs> you know, I try. I try not to. I find in my life what I have found and, and seen from other people is when you are pushing and the universe is pushing back, it's sometimes for a reason. You know, sometimes what you want is coming to you in a way that's not packaged the way that you imagined it. So you have to be open to that, to uh, receiving these gifts in a different form than how you maybe initially envisioned it. And um, another thing that you read in there that just made me think of something my dad used to say is like, you know, uh, in life, we often bond to the wounds of our past um, and we make those wounds our calling card. My dad died when I was 25, you know, I could say I could that would spark some sympathy. It's like some people feel the need to pull out their calling card right away like I'm this way because I had an abusive father or you know. Yeah, that's
0: I, in so many of his of yeah. his writing. He's so right about that.
1: Yeah, you've got to detach yourself from that. It's like, just give up your personal history because otherwise, it's if you stay bonded to those wounds, it's, it doesn't mean they're not real and it doesn't mean that you don't heal from them. It doesn't mean you don't embrace it or you, you don't pretend that it didn't happen. It happened. You embrace it, but you don't bond yourself to it. You, you look... You, the wake can't drive the boat. You know, the wake is what the boat leaves behind. That's your past.
0: Damn, bro. <laughs> <laughs> if, where you want
1: to take your future is uh, is just un. It's got to be unrelated to that. That's what makes you who you are. And again, you should embrace it, but yeah. don't bond yourself to it. And you're gonna stay stuck there if if you constantly have to say, "I'm this way because my father was this way and my mother was that way and I grew up this way and." You know, my dad had a million excuses. He grew up in an orphanage, he had an absent father. Um, He grew up in and out of orphanages, but he was eventually back in his mother's care. And uh, if he had held on to that idea, he would just feel sorry for himself his whole life and he probably would not have come into the kind of career that he came into, so.
0: How do you remain, um, I guess, so positive, loving, kind, and present uh, in company? that doesn't see life the way you do
1: you know i feel no pressure or need to make people think the way i think i really don't maybe when it comes to my immediate family i feel it a little more Mm -hmm. but when i'm with other people i just i can love someone for who they are yeah we're all on a journey of finding ourselves and Everyone is at a different place in their journey. All
0: right, we got to pivot because I know you got to go pick up the kids soon. So I wanted to, I'll get you out of here after you give me some advice on this. Okay. So I talked about this in a past podcast, and, you know, the conversation came up of like why, you know, I got off of social media. And, um, you know, there were multiple reasons why I did that. You know, there was like over 6,000. Uh, people that were on there. And more or less, there was a lot of creepy things happening. You know, I I, I had a public account. My, I had pictures of my kids. There was people opening up accounts under my name, under my face, yeah. you know, taking pictures of my kids, which became very creepy. Yeah. And so I realized I made a mistake. So I got rid of my Instagram and... I just moved on for a year Mm -hmm. and I read books and I just took a break from it. But there's a lot of weird things that happened. And then just two nights ago, okay, somebody comes onto my LinkedIn and sends me this message. She says email, but she... She'd DM me. So this is something that occurs. Okay. Like this is something that happened frequently. I've even had ladies call me from Tinder to ask me if I was the person that they had been talking to because oh, they were using geez. my face. Like weird shit. Yeah. Imagine my wife's face when I'm getting these calls yeah. and I'm putting them on speaker and I'm like, I don't know if that's going on. <laughs> right? So she wrote this to me and then I just want to know what your thoughts are and we'll get out of here. Okay? okay? Good evening, Danny. I hope this email finds you well. I know this is going to sound crazy, but I feel you have the right and need to know. I was recently approached via LinkedIn Messenger by a man passing off as, whatever his name is, using your pictures. I have been talking to this man since November. He created a story about being divorced for five years and having two daughters by the name of Stella and Lexi. For those of you that don't know, my daughter's names are Stella and Lexi. Today I found out that he was lying and that he was not you. The man came clean and finally told me that he was passing himself as you. He told me that he is not... The only man using your pictures. Apparently, it's a lot of men circulating your photos. Apparently, this asshole has fallen in love with me and, I actu- and actually showed himself to me via video cam. I told him that I needed the name and the identity of the real man. He said he will ask the man that got him started in doing this. Well, he came through and gave me your name. So here I am messaging you. Uh, that you're aware of what's going on. I'm sorry to have to do this, so on and so forth. So here I am messaging you to let you know they're aware of what's going on. I'm sorry that I have to deliver this news to you, but I know I'd like to know someone did that to me. I can provide more details if you like. All I ask from you is to please keep my name out of any public announcement you make. That's if you decide to address this publicly. This man did an emotional number on me. Luckily for me, he had some sort of guilt or shame because he did try to he did not try to get money from me. He was just after a green card, LOL, I think. Honestly, it's not funny, but hey, I gotta add a little humor to a fucked up situation. Can provide you more details if you'd like, question mark. Anyway, good luck and feel free to message me if you want more details. I decided on this one not to get in touch. There, there have been times I've gotten back right. because I'm just, I don't want to invite myself into that conversation. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? You know, like I'm on social media now, just so you are aware, I've opened up a private account right. it's only for the circle <laughs> of people that I love. Right, right. And then I made a public account for Nasty Podcast recently. So if people okay. want to see me or DM me or get in touch with me, they can get in touch with me there, but I'm certainly not going to be sharing. Anything personal right. about my life anymore? So, what are your thoughts on that, as a friend?
1: Well, first of all, it's a compliment. People are stealing your face, and they're trying to make people fall in love with them on the <laughs> internet. <laughs> you know,
0: it's weird, man. <laughs> it's weird. I have no idea why, by the way. It's
1: weird. It's definitely weird. But you know, there's there's a compliment in there somewhere. But it would make me uncomfortable. And I think social media is kind of new territory in the grand scheme of things. It's been out for a while, but like not really that long. I don't really love social media, I'm on it. I feel like sometimes I have sort of like an addiction to it in a way. It's like you just are checking it all the time and then I'm like, why do? Why am I doing this? Why She's am I filling habit. my brain with my mind um, with what other people are up to? It's not important. So I, I would just say try and, stri- you're, it sounds like you're trying to strike a balance there. Like you have your private account that's just for close friends and family and that's where you can post your family. And then you have this public. I know that's what's hard because I've wanted to get off social media, but I wrote a book and I do interviews and I've got to be able to share them somewhere. <laughs> so yeah. it is really hard. I mean, that's today's world is like if you're not on social media. How do you have any sort of um, this type of career or yeah. it's hard, but I would say it sounds like you're striking a good balance with keep your family out of it. You know,
0: thank you. Sahe. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, so there you have it. I have to get her out of here. She's got to pick up. <laughs> Her kids. Um, I had such a good time, you me know? Too, and the too. time with you always flies by. And I really <laughs> just want to say this, you know, um, I feel like you're just a pocket of sunshine. Like, <laughs> I think you define what a pocket of sunshine is. And I think that's Thank what you. you do and bring to everything that you do and everything that you're a part of. And I just think that you're such a beautiful soul. You're such a nice person. And I feel very lucky um, that I'm your friend and that uh, you're married to one of my best friends and that. <laughs> I can pick at your brain whenever I want, even if you don't want me to. Um, well, likewise, Danny, you're, you're just a... That's Lee, always with his phone on. We'll never <laughs> shut it off, but that's why we love Lee. Lee, um, before we go, Sahe, guys, don't get confused. That's Sage. I call her Sahe. Um, if people want to, you know, reach out to you, where can they find you?
1: Ironically, social media,
0: <laughs>
1: Instagram and uh, Facebook. Well, what's I your haven't... handle? Um, it's sage.dyer. And my name is S-A-J-E, which is uh, why Danny calls me Sahe. (laughs) And my website is sage.dyer.com.
0: All right, right on. And again, you know, I started at nasty podcast. So if you guys want to reach out to me, that's where you can do it. And if you have somebody that you think I can talk to or should be talking to, you know, feel free to make the introduction. And I think that's going to be a wrap today and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening.